Amen. Yes, yes, I will. I love that song, and I wanted to sing it for you this morning. Like I, like I said, I've seen and I have endured what it takes to be in a pastor's home and what pastors do. So this morning, before I do anything else, I want to say I appreciate this couple. I want to, I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you, Pastor NR, for guiding me, praying with me at the altars at Camp Maranatha and always providing wisdom and always providing encouragement. And Sarah, you have always, always provided encouragement to me. And every time I have something, I, I'll tell you, there's been sometimes I would be ranting and complaining about things in life and, you know, in front of Sarah and my parents and all that. And then something will just come over Sarah, it's the Holy Spirit, and she will just, hey, you know what, let me tell you something. And the Lord would give her a word and she would just encourage me and I was just looking to vent. But then God, through your, your pastor's, have really put me in line in some places. Not in a bad way, in an amazing, glorious way. So I really, really appreciate your pastors. And a word of warning, do not play Uno with Sarah Taylor. Do not play the game of Uno with Sarah Taylor. She's vicious. She's vicious. But I appreciate your pastors. I want to thank the church for asking me to come this morning and speak. I'm honored to speak, and I'm really honored to speak and considering this day. Really honored. But... Before going any further, I want to give you what my sermon title and um, where I'm coming from this morning. So I want to talk this morning about the life of Joseph. I want to take you on a journey through the life of Joseph. And many of you know his story. Many of you grew up in church. And if you have a church background at all, you know about the story of Joseph and you know the Sunday school stories of the coat of many colors and the journey of his life. This morning, I want to talk to you about the topic, prison or position. Turn to your neighbor and give him my sermon title this morning. Say, prison or position. Prison or position. Now turn to your other neighbor and tell them why you didn't pick them first. I got you. And tell them, say, prison or position. Prison or position. I will, I'll be starting in Genesis chapter 37, but we're actually going to end up in Genesis 41. But nobody panic. Nobody panic. We're not going to read four chapters of Scripture this morning. So everybody hold your seat. Don't go anywhere. We're going to read just a little bit of it. And I feel like there's some pieces we've got to take out because you've got to know the story. You have to know the context to know what God is wanting to do this morning. I want to show you a pattern that God has showed me through the life of Joseph and what it means for us today. Are you ready this morning? Let's get started. Let's pray. Father, I come before you and I thank you for this service already. I thank you that we've been able to lift up your name and rightfully so because your name is above all names. There is nothing above you, Jesus. And Jesus, we will speak your name from the mountain as the song sings. Your name is life. Your name is power. Your name is healing. And I'm so blessed to be in your presence this morning. But Father, as we get ready to move into your word, we open up our ears. We open up our hearts. We want to receive from you. Help us to grow. Help us to pay the best attention that we can and apply your word to our life so that we can, re- we can reflect the image of your son, Jesus. God, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. oh, come on, everyone said, Amen. Amen. There we go. So starting in Genesis chapter 37, I'll get right into it because this is some good stuff. Somebody say good stuff. It's some good stuff this morning. In Genesis chapter 37, I'm not going to have it on the screen. There's only going to be four verses on the screen, and that's in chapter 39. So just follow with me. If you want to read, you can. But I'm starting in Genesis chapter 37. Here we find Joseph to be a 17-year-old boy and the 11th son of his father. All the parents in the room said, whew, 
the eleventh son of his father, Jacob. Throughout chapter 37, Joseph is just the youngest of the bunch, okay? He's the eleventh son. He's only 17 years old. All of his brothers are older than him. And they can do a whole lot more. His brothers were, in, in Old Testament times, the father was the leader of the house. And the next in line for authority would be the first son. And then the second son. It was like a pecking order. Then the third son, all the way down to the last son. So Joseph is the last of all of the, all of the children at this moment. Another comes later, but at this moment, he is the least among them. Everybody say least. He is the least among them. So Joseph is out working in the fields, just like all the sons had to. He's gathering grain. And they tied the grain into these sheaves, and they stood tall. And they pulled it together so they could bring it back and use it for their family to make food. Joseph is out in the fields working with his brothers every day, just like he's supposed to. But one night, Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream, and he, he, he saw in the dream that what he gathered in the field, the sheaves of grain, his particular gatherings stood up, stood upright like I am now. His grain stood up, and all of his older brothers, who had much more rights to authority and power than him, all of what they gathered began to bow to his. So what does Joseph do? full of pride and wanting to be wanting to be known and heard in his family, he goes to his brothers and he tells them his dream. He says, you guys aren't going to believe what I dreamed. <clears throat> I, you, you won't believe it. My, my gatherings stood above everybody else's and every one of you guys bowed to me. All of what you gathered bowed to me. And all oh, this made his brothers angry, right? You know the story. Made his brothers furious. And they thought Joseph was on a high horse, so to speak. That he was acting like he was all high and mighty. Because if you know the story, Joseph was already the favorite son of his father. But just when you think it can't get worse, it does. Joseph makes the situation worse because he has another dream. And this time, he, he sees in the dream that the sun, the moon, and the stars begin to bow to him. And what does Joseph do? You guessed it. He goes to his brother's. And he tells them the same, he tells them the new dream. You guys aren't going to believe what I've dreamed now. And he tells them the whole dream. And now they're irate. They go to their father and they say, Father, this is what Joseph is saying. And the father questions Joseph. Joseph, is this true? And he tells him the whole story. Oh, yes, father, it's true. I had this dream and this dream. And no one could understand. Not even the father understood why all of them would bow to the least among them. The brothers were so angry. We're almost through our context. Bear with me. The brothers were so angry that they decided they're going to kill him. That's when you know you've made your brothers angry. <laughs> he had made them so angry they're wanting to kill him. So they devise a plot. They're going to kill him. And they throw him into a cistern. It's a big hole in the ground. <laughs> they throw him down in this hole in the ground. And then, thankfully, they begin to feel convicted or something, whatever you want to call it. And they decide, you know what? Let's not kill him. We don't want his blood on our hands. Plus, we could just sell him and make a little money out of it. So they sell their brother into slavery. They sell him to some Ishmaelite traders who are going to Egypt. And they're going to sell their products there. They're going to trade in Egypt. So that's exactly what they did. They betrayed him. Joseph had been betrayed and forgotten by the ones that were supposed to love him the most. 
And that's our context this morning. Can I just say this real quick before I go any further? If you know the life of Joseph, you need to hear this before we go any further. Even when it rains, my God reigns. Even when it rains in your life, God still reigns. Even when it rains, God still reigns. One preacher said that, and I've never got it out of my head. It's been four years since I heard that sermon. But even when it rains, my God reigns. But we're just getting started, right? Joseph is in slavery now. Follow with me. I'm going somewhere. Joseph is in slavery at this point, and they take him to Egypt, just like the story says. So we're all the way up to chapters 38 and 39 at this point. In Genesis 38 and 39, Joseph has arrived in the beginning of chapter 39. He has arrived in Egypt, and they are planning to sell their products. And guess what one of their products is? Joseph. They're going to sell him as a slave in Egypt. We learn in chapter 39, verse 1, Joseph was sold to a man named Potiphar. Now, who was Potiphar? This is important with where we're going this morning. Who was Potiphar? Put it up on the screen. Next verse. The verse should come up on the next slide. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Now watch this, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Just leave that up. There's a lot of stuff here we need to get before we go further. Joseph had been sold to a man named Potiphar and it says here that Potiphar was the captain of the Pharaoh's guard. Why is that important? That means that this man was powerful. He was close to the Pharaoh. He was trusted by the highest ranking official, the king, if you will, the Pharaoh of all the land. This man, Potiphar, was trusted to lead the guard, the people who protected the Pharaoh. And now Joseph is in his house. So we'll come back to this. We'll come back. But you need to remember that Potiphar is the captain of the guard. Everybody say, captain of the guard. Captain of the guard. But what we really need to pay attention to is verse 2. And I've highlighted it for you this morning. The Lord was with Joseph. Everybody say with. The Lord was with Joseph. God was giving Joseph success even when he was in slavery. Even in slavery, Joseph was given success. That's right. That tells me this. And I'm going to show it to you in the next verse. It tells me this. That God is faithful even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of darkness, even in the midst of whatever you go through, my God is 100% faithful, 100% of the time. Amen. So let me show it to you. Verse 3, next slide. This is what, this is how we know God is faithful. In the next verse, it says, Genesis 39, verse 3, when his master, that's Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. This God gave Joseph success. Verse 4. Joseph found favor in the eyes of his master and he became his attendant. You need to catch this. Joseph is now the personal attendant to one of the highest ranking officials, the captain of the guard in all of Egypt. Are you with me this morning, church? Are you with me this morning, church? He is the servant, the the personal attendant, the personal servant, not just the maid or the, the butler or whatever. No, he is the personal attendant to one of the highest ranking officials in the land. God was prospering him. God was faithful even in his slavery. Even in slavery. 
But just when things are looking up, Joseph had trouble rise up again. You know the story, right? We learn later in Genesis 39, you can leave that up. We learn later in Genesis 39, this is a really, really heavy chapter, that Potiphar wasn't the only one who was pleased with Joseph. Yeah. You know the story, right? He wasn't the only one that was pleased with Joseph. You see, Potiphar had a wife. And she wanted her some Joseph. (laughs) She wanted her some Joseph. That's how it reads, right? Read Genesis 39 and read in in the back half of the chapter. Potiphar's wife wanted her some Joseph. She had sexual desires for her husband's servant. She wanted Joseph to give in to her wishes. And she didn't want to tell her husband, of course. But she wanted to get with Joseph. And she tried to convince him to seduce him in any way that she could. She even tried commanding him. Because she was Potiphar's wife, she had Potiphar's power. But Joseph refused something. He refused something like this. He immediately shot it down every time and he said he would never be with her because it was wicked and an evil thing to do and he would not sin against his God. Joseph even went as far as to say, listen, listen, Potiphar's wife. I heard one preacher call her. He said Potiphar's wife must have been Hotifer. <laughs> let's call her Hotifer. Someone else came up with that. But let's call her Hotifer. Hotifer just, she tries to get him to give in, but he won't do it. And he says to her, he says, listen, your husband Potiphar has given me control over everything in this house. I'm allowed to have anything I want in this house, anything under Potiphar's command I can have because I'm his personal attendant, except for you. And I will not betray my master and I will not betray my God. Even after everything, though, Joseph knew something. This tells me this. Not only, remember, we've established God was faithful to Joseph. You with me this morning? God was faithful to Joseph. We're going somewhere, but we've got to get through this. God was faithful to Joseph, but here we learn that Joseph was faithful to God. God was faithful to Joseph, but Joseph was also faithful to God. Even after everything he had been through, Joseph knew something. He knew that he should never give up on somebody, especially the God of the universe. Never give up on the God who's never given up on you. And I only point this out this morning to tell you this. Wherever you are this morning, wherever you are in your life, hold on. Hold on. God has not failed you. God is still in control. God is still on the mountain. He's still on the throne and he's not up for re-election. God is still in control. And it may look like our country is in trouble. It may look like the world is in trouble. It may look like your family's in trouble. But don't worry because my God is still on the throne. So I come to say this this morning before we go any further. Even when it rains... My God reigns, so hold on. It's scary, I know. But hold on and wait for what God is about to do. Joseph was faithful even when he was alone, even when he was in slavery. Greater is coming is what I'm sure he told himself every day, just like many of us tell ourselves. I'm going to hold on. Greater things are still to come. Greater things are yet to come. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hold on. Joseph held on. And if you've ever endured trial in your life, read the story of Joseph. Read it. Because this isn't the end. This isn't where it ends. Joseph goes through a whole lot more. Let's talk about it just for a second. Potiphar's wife was so angry that Joseph wouldn't do as she asked. 
Potiphar. You remember her, right? She was so angry that Joseph wouldn't do what she asked that she lied to her husband about Joseph. She lied and she told Potiphar that Joseph had actually been the one who tried to seduce her. And she was the one that refused him. She literally, you need to get this, she literally told her husband the exact opposite of what happened. She didn't make anything up. She just literally told the exact opposite and flipped the names. Instead of she saying, I approached Joseph, she said, Joseph approached me. She just flipped the story. And I want you, to, I want to point this out this morning. You see, that is what the enemy will do sometimes in your life. Because when you're faithful to God and you stand on God's standards and you do not surrender to temptation and you do not surrender to sin, even when it seems convenient, even when it seems like the only path that you can go, if you don't surrender, you know what you do? You actively rob the enemy of his weapons. You see, if If he had given in, if Joseph had given in, he would have lost favor with God because he would have given in to his sin and God would have not been able to bless him because he would have brought a mountain of problems upon himself. Right? Joseph didn't give in though. Joseph decided, I'm not giving in and he took away the weapons of the enemy. The enemy has no power to bring you down. But what he can do is put a trap of temptation and sin in front of you and then you use your power to bring yourself down when you give in to the temptation that is placed before you. Does that make sense this morning? So the enemy placed temptation before Joseph. If he gave in, he would have used his own power to to trap himself. But now the enemy has nothing, you see. So Potiphar's wife, is she's resorted to have to lie. That's all she has at this point. She has to lie. That's all she can do. Because when you are faithful to God's standards, you actively rob the enemy of his weapons. So here is poor Joseph. It was his word against his master's wife. And that doesn't go so well. It seems like this should be a happy ending. Joseph, Joseph resisted the enemy and now he lives happily ever after. It doesn't go like that. Because something else happens. See, poor Joseph, here he is. It was his word against his master's wife. Potiphar was furious when he heard the lie. He didn't know it was a lie, but he was furious. And he threw Joseph into prison at the age of, listen, 28 years old. That means Joseph was sold into slavery around the age of 17. And he is now 28 years old. We're talking about 10 years he served in the house of Potiphar. He served him for 10 years. He knew Potiphar and became his personal attendant. 10 years and all of that. Potiphar said, you're going to prison. I don't believe you. He threw him in prison. Yet again, the person who he served, just like his brothers, the person that he's worked with for 10 years straight, served in every way he could, just like his brothers, has now thrown him into a pit or a cistern, if you will. Now Joseph is in prison. But you see, his, his choice was simple. I'm getting, I'm getting to the end. Hey, bear with me. I'm going to pull all this together. His choice was simple. He could stand up for what was right and suffer the lies of the enemy, Potiphar's wife. Or he could choose to give in to Potiphar's wife and he could lose God's favor. He could, he could choose to stand up for what was right and have to endure what the world has to bring. Or he could, he could give in and he could lose what God had already given him. Favor, prosperity, favor in God's eyes. And Joseph weighed that out and it didn't take him a minute. And he said, absolutely not. I hold God's favor. I value God's favor over anything in the world. I value God's favor because even when I was thrown into a pit, God had favor on my life. 
Even when my brothers forsaked me and they got rid of me, they told my dad that I was killed by an animal. I was still in the favor of the Lord. I was sold into slavery and I was supposed to be a slave in Egypt. But God gave me favor and I became the personal attendant to one of the highest ranking officials in the land. So no thing in this world can substitute, no thing can satisfy God's favor on my life. Joseph knew what sin would cost him. He chose to be faithful to God who had always been faithful to him. Do we understand that this morning? You with me this morning? Okay, here we go. We're bringing it together. This brings us to chapter 40 and 41. Joseph is now in prison. This is his whole story right here. Joseph is now in prison and he feels completely alone. You ever felt alone? You ever done the right thing and it left you alone? Yeah. You ever done exactly what God called you to do and it landed you in a waiting period that you don't feel like you deserved? You ever followed the plans of God? You ever followed his word and people walked out of your life because you were getting too close to Jesus and you started looking more like Jesus more than the person they like, right? That happens. It happens. And Joseph is now in this situation that we can relate with, probably not as severely as Joseph. He is in prison and he feels completely alone. Certainly there were other prisoners there. It's a prison. It's the king's prison. But no one understood this pain. No one understood Joseph's pain at all. There wasn't other Jews there. There wasn't other other people who served Potiphar there. There were some high-ranking criminals. Let's call them that. They were some high-profile criminals in this prison. This was the prison of Pharaoh. This is the king's prison. Not your average prison in Egypt. This is the king's prison. And Joseph is thrown in the mix for something he didn't even do. There were two prisoners that we are identified in chapter 40. And they're called, not by name, but they're called the cupbearer and the baker. And they were there. These, these two served Pharaoh directly. The baker cooked all the, all the, all the baked goods, let's call them, for Pharaoh. Personal baker for Pharaoh. And the cupbearer was an important role at one time. This was one of the most trusted roles ever because this person would taste test everything before the king got his hands on it. Reason B is if somebody tried to poison the drink, the cupbearer risked his life every day to protect the Pharaoh. That's a trusted guy. That's a trusted guy. But both of them had lost favor in the eyes of Pharaoh. So Pharaoh threw both the cupbearer and the baker into prison with Joseph. So there they are. And this is what this is where it's coming together. Pay, pay attention real close. One night, each of them have a dream, the baker and the cupbearer. And they ask Joseph about their dream. And we know Joseph has some experience with dreams, right? We know he has some experience interpreting dreams. So he begins to listen to the baker's dream and the cupbearer's dream. And first the cupbearer shares his dream. And Joseph told the cupbearer, he said, I got some good news. It sounds like from your dream that God is telling you that you're going to return to the Pharaoh's service. And you're going to go back and serve the Pharaoh in just three short days. And the cupbearer was ecstatic. He's like, are you kidding me? This is awesome. I don't have to serve out my sentence. I'm not going to die here. I'm coming out. This is awesome. And the baker tells him his dream. And Joseph's like, oh, you don't want to know your dream. (laughs) You don't want to know your dream. So the baker tells Joseph his dream, but the baker's dream meant something much worse. That in three days, Pharaoh would have him executed. Everything happened just as Joseph had said, but once the cupbearer was restored, this is important at the end of verse, uh, in the end of chapter 40. Once the cupbearer was restored to working for Pharaoh, the cupbearer is serving Pharaoh again, right, right beside the throne of the, 
of the king of all the land, he forgot about Joseph. He forgot about Joseph. Joseph only asked one thing when he told the cupbearer his dream. He said, hey, so I just told you your dream and you're going to be put back in charge of the cupbearer job. And when you get up there, I'd really appreciate it if you just remember me. And if something ever comes up, you can get me out of here. I really appreciate it. Okay? Okay. And he forgot. The cupbearer forgot Joseph. And I call this the challenge of loneliness. Because we find out that two years goes by between chapters 40 and 41. Two years goes by, Joseph's in prison, and there's no record of what happened. All we know is that he was there and nothing happened. He's there for two more years. That's lonely. Two more years he sits in the prison for doing nothing but following the standards of God. And he's there, and he's suffering, he's so alone. But guess what? He was still faithful. Still faithful. You know, Joseph must have felt like we do at times, that God had forgotten where he left you. You ever felt like that? That That God forgot where he left you? That you're in a waiting period? That God might be finished with you? But hear me this morning, what I said at the beginning. Even when it rains, my God. Even when it rains, our God. He rains. Even when it rains, our God rains. Because listen, after two years in prison, Pharaoh had a troubling, troubling dream. He had two dreams. And here's where it's coming together. Watch this closely. I'm almost finished. The Pharaoh sought after somebody in the land that could interpret the dreams. Pharaoh had one dream. And it was a really prosperous dream. It seemed so, so good and so peaceful. But then he had another dream. And it was so dark and so twisted. Go read it in chapters 40 and 41. It was just two dreams. One was so good and one was so bad. And he asked all the people in the land that could, sorcerers, people who portrayed themselves as fortune tellers and whatever else, and magicians, he began to ask, can anybody tell me what these dreams mean? And nobody could. And then it sparked. The cupbearer said, oh, I remember a man, Pharaoh, if I may, my king. I remember a man who told me the meaning of my dream. And three days later, it came to pass. His name is Joseph. And Pharaoh didn't hesitate. Pharaoh then summoned Joseph from the prison and told him the dream. He tells Joseph everything that has happened. He tells him about dream number one, and he tells him about dream number two. And he says, all right, Joseph, let's hear it. What's the interpretation? And Joseph learned something. He learned something from way back when. Instead of saying, oh, I know a dream. I can interpret it like he did with his brothers. He didn't do that this time. He took a step back instead of a step forward and said, let me start by saying I don't provide any interpretation of any dream. But my God will give you the answer through me if it pleases you. He he didn't step forward and say, yep, I can do that. No, he said, I can I can give you what God says, but not what I say. It's not from me. Pharaoh says, whatever. Just tell me the, the meaning of the dream. So Joseph tells him all the interpretation of the first dream. He warned Pharaoh that a famine was coming and they should prepare. There'd be seven years of prosperity in all their crops and all their stuff would be amazing. They'd have an abundance of food, but then seven years would come and a famine would strike so hard they wouldn't have any food. So Joseph suggests, he said, you know what I suggest, Pharaoh? I think that you should get somebody and organize a seven-year gathering process and hold some of it back so you have enough for seven years later. Pharaoh then said, no one is more wise than you. Who do you think should head up such a task? And you know what he was thinking. Oh, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. But he learned something in the days of his brothers when he was 17. 
he learned not to be prideful because God opposes the proud. He learned humility, and instead of stepping forward, he steps back. And he says, I don't know, but it should be somebody that's wise. It should be somebody that can handle the job. And Pharaoh says, I've made my decision. I'm putting you in charge of everything in Egypt. You will be second in command. Second in command. That means he's over Potiphar. Ooh, catch that. He's over Potiphar, the house that he used to live in. He is second in command, no longer a slave, and he is over the person who had him enslaved. He is over Potiphar's wife. He is over every official. He is over everything. What are you saying, Pastor Aaron? You've told us about the whole life of Joseph this morning, but what are you trying to say this morning? Well, I'm so glad you asked. I am trying to draw a connection with everything Joseph went through and where God placed him in the end. You see, Joseph was what in command? Second in command over all of Egypt. So quick question. What are some of the responsibilities of such a role? What are the responsibilities of such a role? Maybe, maybe humility. One might need to learn how not to boast so much about their calling because it makes the ones who are meant to follow you, the ones who are meant to serve you, want to kill you and sell you into slavery. Maybe you need to have some humility. Humility. So I think humility is in the job description. Maybe another one is learning how to lead Pharaoh's guard because if you're in, if you're in second in command, you need to know how to learn You need to know how to lead the kingdom. And you know what? If you are second in command, you know, you you need to know how to run things, right? Right? Are you with me? Right? You need to know how to run things. So maybe the best way to do that is to do an internship at Potiphar's house and learn how to lead the kingdom, learn how to lead the guard, learn how the officials do their business. And maybe an internship at Potiphar's house sounds like a good idea because you need to know how to do that. Oh, but maybe there's another responsibility. Maybe you need patience with others. Maybe you need to know how to be patient to be a leader. This role would require one to be patient with the people of the kingdom no matter what their role was. Even if they forgot about you and left you in a prison for two years, even after all you did for them. Can I tell you something this morning? The prison wasn't a prison. It was a position. It was positioning. You see, I'm trying to tell you that Joseph wasn't in prison. He was in position. He wasn't in prison. He was in position. I'll say it again until somebody gets it. He wasn't in prison. He was in position. Everything he went through. He learned humility when he was sold into slavery. He learned how to lead Egypt when he was in Potiphar's house. And in the last days, he learned how to be patient even with the people that forgot about him in prison. Everything he went through. Everything he went through. He struggled his entire life, but God never wasted a moment. A lot of what happened to Joseph, I don't believe that God said, okay, Joseph, I'm going to put you in prison. You just hang out here. No, I believe a lot of that stuff was weapons of the enemy coming against Joseph. But God never wastes a thing. He never, ever wastes. And you better believe that God honors those who are faithful to Him. I established everything in the beginning to get to this moment. God doesn't waste, folks. He doesn't waste what you've been through. And God was faithful. He's always faithful. Amen? Has God been faithful to you? He's always faithful. But God will always honor those who are faithful to Him. And even in prison, even in slavery, even when He was lied on, even when His brothers wanted to kill Him, and even on the throne, He was faithful. Joseph was faithful. If Joseph had not faced the challenge of integrity, that's in, that's in Potiphar's house, 
that if he had not faced a challenge of integrity, he wouldn't have been able to maintain a position in prison for what God was working up in Pharaoh's dreams. If Joseph had not held on through loneliness while he was in prison, he would have missed God's purpose. Because, you know, he could have easily said, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, like Job's wife. I'm done with God. I'm done. You've left me here to rot. But no, he said, I trust you, God. Even though I feel like I'm withering away in this prison, I trust you, God. I trust you. And I came here to tell you this morning that even when it rains, I came here to tell you that even when it rains, my God reigns. Even if you learn anything from Joseph's story, read it through. It's four chapters. It's not that long. If you learn anything from his story, connect the dots and realize that even when it rains, my God reigns. Because even when the world comes against you, all hell came against Joseph. Everything in his life went wrong. Everything went wrong. But even when everything goes wrong, my God is able to connect all the wrongs and make a right because he works all things for the good of those who are... Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet this morning, if you will. As some musicians are coming to help me out. This is the message this morning. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter how bad you've messed up or missed it. It doesn't matter what's happened. It doesn't matter the fights you've had to endure. It doesn't matter how many Goliaths you've faced. It doesn't matter how many valleys of dry bones you've witnessed. It doesn't matter what has come against you. Prison, slavery, beatings, emotional toil, emotional struggle, heartache, loss. It doesn't matter because when you serve the God of Israel, He works all things for good. You know what your job is in all of this? Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. That's our job. God connects dots. We don't. God brings people to Christ, not us. God does the work. What we do is we are to be faithful and spread the word about Jesus Christ. That is our job. Spread the news about Jesus. Spread the news and be faithful. Spread the news and be faithful. It's simple. Spread the news and be faithful. God will take care of the rest. So this morning, I want to act, I, would, I just want to encourage you. I came to encourage you and challenge you this morning to be faithful in whatever you're going through. It doesn't matter that there's a pandemic. It doesn't matter who is elected president. We all have our opinions. We all have our preferences about what should happen in our country, what should happen in our world, how, how we should be able to not social distance, if we should wear a mask or not. We all have our preferences. But my God is still on the throne. We all have our preferences and we're worried about what's going to happen in the future because of our children and because of what's going to happen. I'm worried about the world that my son is going to grow up in. My newborn son almost. Eight months old. I'm worried about that. But I have to take a step back. Not a step forward like Joseph and say, even when it rains. 
Even when it rains, my God rains. Just go ahead and ask the three Hebrew children who writes their story when they go in the fiery furnace. Go ahead and ask the children of Israel what happens when you encounter the Red Sea. It splits in half. Go ahead and ask Daniel what happens when you're thrown in a lion's den. God can turn a lion's den for your good. Go ahead and ask Jonah what happens when a whale swallows you. He'll put you where you need to be. He'll put you in Nineveh. Go ahead and ask Jesus. What the weapon of the enemy, a cross, can do for the entire world. If the devil knew anything, he would have never put Jesus on a cross. The weapons of the enemy, a cross, saved you and me. The devil didn't know it, but he's on payroll with God. God works all things for good. God works all things for good. The enemy has no idea what God's doing with his weapons. So you don't have to worry this morning. This is what I want to do. If you need prayer, if you need encouragement, you're welcome to come down here or stay right where you are, however you feel comfortable in this time that we're living in. But I came to tell you that through all of it, remember that God isn't punishing you. He's positioning you. You're not in prison. You're being positioned. The church is in a a viable state right now in the United States of America and across the world. But God hasn't forgotten His bride. God hasn't forgotten His children. And we are not in trouble. We are not in disarray. We are being positioned. We are being positioned. Maybe, maybe we're not allowed to meet in our building anymore. Maybe we're not, maybe we have restrictions. That's okay. Because the Word of God wasn't meant for these four walls. Come on. Maybe we need to go out. Maybe we need to find a way. God hasn't forgotten. That's the point, okay? God hasn't forgotten. Even when you think it's over, maybe you feel like your calling is finished. You fulfilled your calling. No, no. That was last season. This is a new season. There's more to come. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite you to this altar. Father God, I, I pray in the name of Jesus that whoever may hear this message, both online and here in this room, I pray, God, that they would be reminded that what we go through as your children is not going to harm us. Lord, the weapons of the enemy cannot harm me. The weapons of the enemy cannot bring me down because every time I come down, I'm just being positioned for what is coming. And Lord, you work all things for the good. So this morning... Jesus, I give you praise. I give you glory. And I honor you even when I'm low. Even when I'm in prison. Even in the lion's den. Even when I'm in slavery. Even when I'm going through the works. Even in the waiting. I'm going to lift your name. Yes, I will. If you want prayer, come to this altar. And if not, just lift your hand. Look at me and wave. If you want prayer right where you are, I won't come to you. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you right where you are. You're welcome to come to the altar too. A few hands went up. Saints of God, will you help me pray for the needs in the room? Just pray. Father, we come before you right now in this moment for the three hands that were lifted in this house this morning. Whatever need they have, Jesus. Whatever's going on in their life, whether it's their physical body, whether it's their mental state, whether it's their emotional being. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would be the God we sing about this morning. And you would be the God whose name is healing, whose name is power, whose name is life. God, I'm praying for each of those three people that you would lift them up and encourage their hearts. Lord, that you would move inside of them and stir in them a new passion, a new belief. That God, you never left your bride. You never forgot us. And where we are now, 
We're just being positioned for what is to come. I give you praise. I give you praise. And everyone said, Amen. Oh, come on. Say it like you believe there is a God. Everybody said, Amen. Let's sing about Jesus. Come on. Till every dark addiction starts to break. Come on, church. Let's sing his name. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. We speak.